some of them get it, first of all, more so than others. Um, you know, if you're hiring a sales manager, they tend to invest a little bit more time than if they're hiring a banquet server. Um, different managers also have different styles uh, just based on their positions and based on what they have to do day to day. I used to get really annoyed when I would see there were like 20 outstanding applications for screening for a banquet server. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get the good ones first. Get the good ones first. Um, but I had to take a step back and think, all right, their primary job is to come in and execute a banquet for 500 people. At what point do I realistically expect them to sit at a computer and screen 20 plus resumes every single day? Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or at goodmorninghr.com. So I saw a meme this weekend that complained about how a certain major hotel chain had doubled their profits this year, but still cut staff and the service level was half of what it used to be out of pure greed. Well, 30 seconds of Google, on Google demonstrated that, yes, the hotel chain had doubled their profits year over year, but the comparison year was May 2020 to June, tw April 2021 which is like the worst part of the pandemic. So of course, hotels were going to take a beating. And that particular hotel chain was still at about half of their 2019 profit level. So to help me better understand the post-pandemic shutdown hospitality environment, I've invited Lauren Pierce to join me today. Lauren is Director of Human Resources at the Texas A&M Hotel and Conference Center and, unsurprisingly, She's an Aggie, graduating in 2011 from A&M's HR development program. And she was previously the director of HR for A&M's 12th Man Foundation. Lauren is a certified HR professional by both HRCI and SHRM. And she's also mom to a 16-month-old firecracker named Casey and volunteers in wildlife rehab. Wildlife rehab, HR, I'm seeing a pattern. So welcome to Good Morning HR, Lauren. Thanks, Mike, for having me. So I do travel a lot, and I've seen that some hotels, most of the hotels I stay at, uh, aren't automatically doing daily room cleanings. You have to request, but they'll do it if you request it. Uh, and maybe some restaurants aren't keeping all the hours they used to. Um, so is this just greedy corporations trying to squeeze every last penny out of customers, or are, are y'all still rebuilding from uh, the pandemic era? Definitely still rebuilding um, from multiple different viewpoints, right? Um, from a staff viewpoint, you have a whole workforce that got to have a few months off and reassess what they're doing with their life. Do they want to come back and work in hospitality, um, which is traditionally a lifestyle versus a job I'm learning? Or do they want to pursue something different? You know, also, there are so many more stringent requirements when it comes to operating somewhere where guests are staying with the expectation of staying safely. 
Um, so yeah, reassessing everything, um, having to retrain a bunch of team members, that's a, a cost as well. Um, if you're looking at an operation like our particular property, we have three restaurants, uh, an entire conference center with meeting rooms, a ballroom. Um, we're on campus, so we have to cater to what everything, you know, everything they need. Uh, plus we have our typical 250 hotel or 250 room hotel. So it's just, yes, yes, to answer that <laughs> shortly. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So, that's, so that tells me something about the Texas A&M Hotel Conference Center. Y'all are on campus uh, there in College Station on the A&M campus then. So y'all are the flagship hotel for the, 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 the campus? Yes, we are the guest house of the university. We're owned by the university. We're operated by um, Benchmark, which is part of Pyramid Global. Um, so some other resorts that we have in Texas, because I know that's where we both are, um, La Quintera in San Antonio. Yep. And uh, Margaritaville in okay. Conroe. So um, it's a big, big operations company, but we do have that extra layer because we answer to Texas A&M for everything. How interesting. So you, you touched on some of the, the, the issues, uh, staffing and stuff about what happened in the hospitality industry. Uh, and I know you joined A&M uh, uh, Hotel and Conference Center last fall, leaving the, the 12th, man, 12th Man Foundation. But um, generally, what at your specific facility, what were some of the, the things that happened during the pandemic? So even though we had to shut down operations for a few months, um, obviously operations don't stop altogether. So you had a whole team working remote doing maybe one person doing what three people used to do. So you had significant burnout. You had people that were exhausted and then asked to come back to work and run 10 times harder than they felt like they were running from home. Um, that's more from the operations administration, you know, management side. But from the team member side, you had people that were off and, like I said, did kind of a life reassessment on what they wanted to do. But also some that got on benefits and really enjoyed that life. And, um, you know, some of our positions, the pay ranges aren't the highest. Um, they are entry level. We do cater to a college student environment. And um, some of those people were harder to recruit back right after COVID. Um, now we're seeing an increase in interest in employment. And so we've been able to get staffed up pretty well with some high quality team members. But um, you heard stories of, you know, a GM, our, our, our general manager and our exec team making beds and cleaning rooms. And you had our executive chef that had to go and run banquets. So everybody was just wearing so many different hats because financially you couldn't bring the whole team back right as COVID was ending, even though operations were expected to hit the ground at 100% plus all the extra precautions that COVID required. So where are you now staffing wise compared to pre-COVID? We're good. Um, we were able to reassess because of some of our financial performance, some of the pay rates and raise those. So recruiting wise, we've been in a really good place. I would say retention is always something we could do better because we do have high turnover in some departments such as, you know, housekeeping. Yeah. Such as housekeeping, food and beverage, just the traditional positions where you don't have longevity. Um, 
you know, we've had to reassess some of the things there, but what we have a really unique ability to do is make our property more than just a place for a paycheck. You know, we can assist our team members that might be affected or impacted more by things like, you know, inflation or, you know, even the loss reduction in formula availability. We can take things like that and impact them in a different way than, say, a traditional business employer. We can put employees who might be having difficulty with housing up in an extra room. We can provide free meals from our kitchen to help with food insecurity. Um, we even helped provide childcare some days um, because we just needed our team to be there, but understood that daycare's closed because everybody got COVID. Sure. And y'all's environment, I mean, I've only ever been a consumer of, of your environment. You know, I attend a lot of conferences and I sleep in a lot of hotel rooms over the year. Um, but it's, it seems like the closest thing my, in my experience would be healthcare because it's a seven day a week, 24 hour a day operation with, you know, touching just about every aspect of, of somebody's life. Uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know, you've got, you got people sleeping there, you've got kitchens and you came from the 12th band foundation. What was the, when you were coming into hospitality HR, what was, what was, what were the biggest surprises you had? I think it was a shift of perspective that, was challenging but refreshing. Um, I had to go from having a team of individuals who were more administrative business, um, usually more established in their careers, to a really vast array of individuals, you know, college students to execs on a team, you know, food and beverage, like I said, housekeeping, counting. So you have so many different cultures, so many different communities within the grander operation that you have to shift your perspective and shift your thinking to what that team member might be going through at that point in time. And where previously everything had been more uniform for me, now I have to think to what that individual might be going through um, and what their experience has been versus everything's the same for everybody in this huge operation um, of 300 team members. Wow. And, and what percentage of your of your team members are students? So funny that you ask. Um, we just read the statistic off in a quiz. So hopefully this is not released to any of our team members before the quiz results are in. Um, but just under 50% of our team members are either current or um, graduated students. Oh, wow. So that's a, that's a bunch of Aggies. It is. Wow. And operations run smoothly, believe it or not. <laughs> I won't make an Aggie joke. I've, uh, uh, I've uh, got too many friends who uh, made those, made that choice, those life choices. So <laughs> at your facilities, are y'all, are y'all still doing what I see in a lot of hotels where daily room service uh, is is optional or only if requested, those kinds of things? Or are y'all back up to, to full production as far as the way things used to be? We are back up to full production. So the guests have the option to put the sign out, you know, the do not disturb, you know, if they don't want to stay over 
cleaning. Obviously, the stayover cleaning is different than the checkout cleaning, but we still offer that as a, as a norm. So you have to opt out of it as the guest. Um, we still have the extra protocols um, in place, such as the oh, I'm not going to have the right word for it, but there's this air cleaner purifier thingy that they put in the room. Um, And there's a lot of different types of products and disinfectants that they use to go a step beyond. Um, We're actually the only four diamond certified um, from AAA property and college station. And again, I might've butchered that too, but um, again, new to hospitality, but that's a big deal. They come in a surprise um, inspection and they swab seven different surfaces in three different hotel rooms. And there are some obvious ones like light switches, remotes, but then there's some just off the wall surfaces that they swab just to make sure that they're getting cleaned. Um, and we're expected to maintain that. So yes, we're back to normal, but we're also back to normal plus COVID, uh, precaution. Wow. That's interesting. So now I didn't know what I didn't, know what the triple i've seen the triple a designation on on different uh places i've stayed and not known what that means so now so four is the highest is that so i'm looking for so from now on because (laughs) i don't want to i don't want i don't be touching no nasty light light switches so i'll uh (laughs) i'll look for those four star ones yeah and like i said light switches um they swabbed under the sink like under the sink Um, so they get some pretty crazy places too, but just stay at our property. We gotcha. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and, but they don't, they don't go near the dorm rooms. I'm sure. Heck no. no. (laughs) So having that many students means you've got a ton of turnover annually, just, you know, or even during the summer. I mean, do you have a hard time even staffing during the summer when, 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 you know, the schools, you know, just doing summer sessions? It depends. We do have a lot of students that stay over the summer or um, we are able to mitigate the students that choose to go home over the summer with some of the lower business levels during the summer. So we kind of play it strategic and make the puzzle pieces fit. Then when everybody comes back in the fall, it's good that we have the extra because extra people doesn't necessarily mean extra um, people all the time, if that makes sense, because you're working with student schedules and those change every semester. So the deck is shuffled every single semester, um, whether you have those student bodies or you're rehiring. So we do a lot of cross training to try to fit them into the departments that match their schedules. We try to um, do a lot of development from within. You know, we might have somebody that's interested in hospitality as a career, but we also might have somebody that got a convenient part-time job and fell in love with it. So we try to really build those generalized leadership skills within our team. So whether or not they're staying with us or they're moving on to a different industry, we are seen as a place to develop the cream of the crop. And um, we're actually partnering with the university. They are redeveloping starting in, I believe it's 2023, their Recreational Parks and Tourism Sciences program to include the title of hospitality management. So 
um, we are actually going to be an official internship provider, most likely for that program, it's kind of like you see at University of Houston or UNT, things like that. Um, and then took it a step further because community is important to us and have partnered with College Station ISD. So the, you know, K through 12, this obviously is not, we're not employing kindergartners. So like nine through 12. Um, to get them started in kind of a CTE type program to mm -hmm. feed into hospitality um, and really get them young and help them grow throughout their university career or just have the skill set for when they graduate to get into, you know, a leadership position within hospitality that doesn't necessarily require a degree. So we really have to develop our own talent um, and identify our own talent that might not have the background in hospitality because, we're not a big city. We don't have a pool of chefs or a pool of front desk operators um, to, to pull from. And let's take a quick break. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Recert Credits. Then select episode 54 and enter the keyword Aggies. That's A-G-G-I-E-S. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. 23 years ago, I founded Imperative to partner with risk-averse companies in making well-informed decisions about the people they involve in their business. We've identified the most common ways background check companies cut corners that impact the quality, accuracy, and depth of the information they provide employers and their clients aren't even aware of these issues until something goes wrong. You can download the six questions you should ask of your background check vendor at imperativeinfo.com six. And of course, you can always reach out to Imperative to discuss your background check process through our website at imperativeinfo.com. And now back to my conversation with Lauren Pierce. So let's talk about this interesting about the CTE, the high school CTE program. Um, how long have y'all been working on that? So we're actually starting this semester. Oh, okay. um, so it's been something really exciting that since I started, we're getting the partnership going. We'll have about 12 to 18 high school students that will rotate throughout different departments to experience what it's like to be in hospitality. Interesting. So that's, and so it's a, an intentional program. So they're not just working there. They're actually getting education about all the different things that, that your campus does there. Yes. Very intentional. Um, we had previously partnered with their culinary department, um, but we're extending it to hospitality now too. So you're building your, you know, some of your future labor supply and you're making that investment uh, up front. That's good for y'all. And, and so, and then you've got the college kids. And you mentioned that with your team members, y'all are doing leadership training and, and you know, management training, that kind of stuff, whether they, they decide to stay in hospitality and stay with y'all or go off to some other career. What does that, what does that leadership training program look like? What do y'all, what do y'all offer for, you know, if I'm just a, you know, a student or just an employee who's, you know, a valet or, or cleaning rooms or whatever. And I, I'm interested in some sort of, you know, personal development. What, what kind of programs are there? Sure. So we have the typical online 
resource of thousands and thousands of videos. If you want to go and self-start on some of those programs, then you can. Um, But we also partner with a few different universities for leadership development courses that are free for them to sign up for, like uh, webinars and such. Um, We also have management trainee programs that once we've identified um, a high performer that we put them through that, where it's about a year long. And we can cater that up or down depending on, you know, let's say the student's going to be here for just another semester and then they want to move to one of our properties in Florida or something like that. We can scale it down, but um, they go through all the different departments and not just shadow the managers in that department, but actually get hands on more towards the end. And um, so they're getting some of the basic management skills of, you know, have you fired somebody? Have you written somebody up that might be your friend because you used to be buddy-buddy with them and drink at the bar? Or, you know, things like that that you don't think of as an experience until you've gone through it as a manager, and it's usually uncomfortable. Um, So we try to give them some of that experience um, as well. But trying to think of what else. Um, They've shadowed our GM before if they're interested and they're just from a program We have what's called task force. So we actually have two housekeepers right now that were top performers that are helping uh, with a property that needed extra labor um, up in, I believe they're in, it's called Stonewall Resort. I want to say Washington. They were beautiful mountains, but they're sending us pictures because they're actually going and helping train um, some of their new team members. Uh, We put them through train the trainer programs. So they learn training skills, learning styles, all the HR nerdy stuff that we like so much. Um, So we just have a lot of educational opportunities, I would say. We have tuition reimbursement for those that want to go back for continuing education um, and things like that. So it it really just depends on what the interest is of the individual and how we can cater a a higher learning experience for them. And having 300 employees and a fair amount of turnover, how big is your recruiting staff? Me and one other. Oh, wow. So um, I was excited when I came from 12th Man Foundation to not be an HR department of one anymore. But I'm learning that if you have double the peop- more than double the people, that an HR department of two isn't necessarily <laughs> any more helpful. Um, but what we've tried to do is get the managers involved because they are the subject matter experts on what they need to be successful in that position. And um, they are handling a lot of their own recruiting. And then we take over on onboarding. So when they are not slammed, um, when they are not slammed, uh, which is not all the time, you know, it, it, Depends on the time of year, but um, they really have been empowered to take on their own positions. And so uh, what's your, how do you train them, your managers to do that well? Because there's so many organizations where um, they leave it to the managers and they run, you know, managers run amok and, and, uh, you know, have high turnover and don't, don't really pick the best person. Uh, and HR either grabs it back or just throws their hands up. Uh, how, how have y'all approached that to, to make sure that managers, not just are, le- are doing everything illegally, which is a good first step, but 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 really selecting the right person for the right job and, and you know finding somebody who's going to really 
fit your culture and and excel at that job? So we kind of try to show them. Um, some of them get it, first of all, more so than others. Um, you know, if you're hiring a sales manager, they tend to invest a little bit more time than if they're hiring a banquet server. Um, different managers also have different styles uh, just based on their positions and based on what they have to do day to day. I used to get really annoyed when I would see there were like 20 outstanding applications for screening for a banquet server. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get the good ones first. Get the good ones first. Um, But I had to take a step back and think, all right, their primary job is to come in and execute a banquet for 500 people. At what point do I realistically expect them to sit at a computer and screen 20 plus resumes every single day um, as they're applying? So it depends on the department. Again, you kind of cater and individualize your approach there. Um, I would say that we try to go back to the general adult education approach, right? What's in it for you? And so why is it in your best interest to take the extra time to ask an additional five, 10 minutes worth of behavioral questions to get the right person? You know, does that save you two days on the back end of training? Does that save you two weeks worth of corrective action that I make you go through to dot the I's and cross the T's? Um, So it just showing them what's in it for them to do it the right way is important. And I think a lot of hands-on training, because when you're in operations, it's hard to get somebody's attention via email, which is another one of those like shifts that I had to make from where I was before to here, because these people are not sitting at their desks. These team members are up, moving, busy, making things happen, interacting with guests, interacting with their team members. And so that touch point in person, that training in person um, is much more effective than me saying, hey, here's an email with a webinar on the 10 best interview questions that you should ask when you're hiring. They're not going to click it. They're not going to read it. So, right. you know, it it's an approach change. And you mentioned that, you know, y'all y- have a lot of employees who are interacting with guests. And they're all not just back of house or an office folks. Um, to me, that would, that if I was, if I were, was in your shoes, uh, besides the fact that they'd be way too small for me, uh, <laughs> I would, I, I'd, I'd lie awake at night worrying about all those interactions I mean, you know, how do you address the the safety and risk management side of all those interactions, both for your employees and for your guests? Well, that's a great question. Um, one, being a mom, I sleep great at night when she's not crying because I just kind of <laughs> calm down. Um, but no, to answer your question, it just you have to trust them. And I think I haven't been jaded yet. I haven't been in hospitality long enough to be jaded. And I trust them. I I trust our team members that if we're providing them a culture that feels welcoming and like a family, that they're going to reciprocate that to the guests and to each other. Um, And usually it's to each other that's more of a challenge than to the guests because everybody can put on their smile for, you know, five minutes to interact with a guest, whereas the person you're working with day in, day out is more likely to irritate you or make you snap, per se. But I think safety-wise, a lot of our operations, if you're talking about that perspective, have gone back to normal as far as face masks and, um, you know, a lot of the shields that would go up that would make communication difficult if somebody was ordering a 10 step coffee drink at the cafe. Um, and you're like, what, what, 
what? So a lot of that has gotten easier, but um, it's just culture. And and I know that sounds maybe cliche um, for an HR person to say culture, but it it comes off of being on A&M's campus. We have a spirit as an Aggie. We have a culture as an Aggie family. And we really try to mimic that being the guest house of the university. And I think our team members understand that, or most of them. And we try to treat them with that respect that we want reciprocated. So that's the easiest way to do it. Is it perfect? No. Do you still get some that might snap or roll their eyes or do something? Yes. Um, but we're human. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all have our days. So finally, like me, you're really involved in your local Sherm chapter. Uh, in fact, that's how we know each other through Texas Sherm. Uh, and your past chair at Brazos Valley Sherm as well. Um, why do you think people who lead people should be members of their local Sherm organization? Well, like I said, I'm used to being an HR department of one, and that makes me an HR department of, for us, we're a smaller chapter, you know, 201. So I get to know people that can help me that are subject matter experts in things like maybe compensation or benefits. Um, I get to build relationships with people that understand what I'm going through. So during COVID, when HR just had their head down because we were you know, taking all this weight from every single direction and expected to smile and handle it gracefully. You had somebody you could call with a glass of wine and just vent. They knew it had to stay confidential. They knew where you were coming from, where your heart was at. They weren't going to go back to your team members and tell them how much you irritated or you were irritated or annoyed. They just got it. And Further than that, just genuine friendships and development, you know, not just the local chapter, but through Texas Sherm and um, stuff like that. I've been empowered in so many different ways I didn't expect by people that I look up to that just they're people people and they build you and bolster you, but gen genuinely with sincerity. And it's just a invaluable resource um, from a personal and professional standpoint. Yeah. And, you know, so often people who are in my network will reach out and say, well, I just found out we're doing a riff. I'm going to get laid off. And uh, can you introduce me to people or you know, how do I build a network? And my answer is always, it's too late. It's the wrong time. It's never too late, but it's the wrong time to be building your network when you're starting to look for your next role. You need to start that yeah. while you've got that role and be part of that community and contribute and, you know, when people know you and trust you, they're a lot more likely to make that referral or, you know, or to remember that, oh yeah, you know, Joe's looking for, for is going to, you know, he, he mentioned he's going to look for a job. This would be a good fit for him. Let me make, can I make this connection? And so I think that's the other really, really valuable part, certainly for me, uh, of, uh, of being involved locally here. So, but that's all the time we have. Thank you for joining me today, Lauren. Absolutely. Again, thanks for having me. I know, you know, I'm an Aggie, so I appreciate you making that exception, but oh, no. um, it's always great to talk to you. You always put a smile on my face and- um, Oh, shucks, stop, stop. <laughs> no sarcasm whatsoever. Not at all, yeah, just keep it going. And thank you for listeners for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guest at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us 
wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week, and until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.